have definitive proof. He's offering a plausible explanation based on the latest science, which left me with a basic question. Can you explain to a non-physicist <laughs> how the universe can be created out of nothing? Yeah, given what we understand about quantum gravity, about quantum mechanics and general relativity together, it is quite possible that literally a small space could pop into existence where there was none before. Normally such spaces will pop in and out of existence in a time scale so short you can't measure them and those universes will disappear quite quickly. But what is also remarkable is we have great evidence that in our universe at very early times, and by very early I mean something like a millionth of a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a second after the Big Bang, our universe puffed up by a huge amount. Energy got trapped in space. And that energy caused the universe to expand incredibly rapidly. We call that a period of inflation. And it sounds like a scam. How can you get <laughs> something for nothing? How can you get a free lunch? Well, it turns out physics allows you to get a free lunch. I guess what, what's so bizarre for the outsider, for the non-physicist here? It's bizarre you're... for me too, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it, it sounds like you're saying it's no big deal in the world of quantum physics for something to come out of nothing. For some reason, that's not a problem. When it, For the outsider, that seems like a huge problem. In fact, it's not only not a problem, it would be the much more remarkable question would be, why is there nothing rather than something, except we wouldn't be around to ask the question, because nothing is essentially unstable. Empty space, due to the laws of quantum mechanics and gravity, is unstable. If you leave it long enough, it'll always create particles. So the real point is that that distinction, that, that common sense distinction between something and nothing in common parlance, is not such a distinction in physics. It's due to the weird laws of quantum mechanics. And the really interesting questions in our universe is how did it evolve and how did we get here? And this why question, which may have seemed so profound, has been replaced. And, and it often happens in science, I think, that questions that seem to have a certain type of significance, the meaning of those words changes. And it's not a scam and it's not something we do to to defeat philosophers and theologians. We do it because we take our definitions from the universe. I have to follow up on that because there is that common saying that theology and philosophy deal with the why questions while science deals with the how questions because the fundamental religious question, of course, is why are we here? You're, are you but, saying those why questions should not even be asked? Well, I think most why questions are really how questions because it's, if you ask why, what you're really meaning is you're presuming purpose. You're making a presumption that there's some meaning, some purpose. And I would argue that if you insist on why, you're assuming the answer before you ask the question. You're assuming there is purpose to the universe and that there's some reason that we came to exist. But why should there be a reason? And why must there be purpose to the universe? It's science, we just try and figure out how it happened. There may be purpose to the universe, and science certainly can't answer that question ultimately in the negative. But what we can say is there's no evidence of purpose, that everything we see, as far as we can tell, came into existence by laws of physics that we can understand without any supernatural shenanigans. There doesn't have to be a reason, and that may disappoint some people, but in fact, I find it quite emboldening. So it, it, it energizes me to think that due to a set of accidents, remarkably, in this remote corner of a galaxy, in the remote corner of the middle of nowhere of our universe, in a remote planet, that we happen to evolve with a consciousness that can ask these questions and we should enjoy our brief moment in the sun and realize that the meaning of our lives is the meanings we make from it. Let me just follow up on, on that word okay. meaning. I mean, basically you're saying that, you know, we construct our own meaning and it does raise the question of whether science is in the business of 
helping us find meaning, because, of course, again, that's traditionally the domain of religion and philosophy. Well, I think what you've often, what the last few thousand years have shown us is the domain of religion and philosophy is shrinking. In fact, I would have argued that the domain of religion shrank to zero a long time ago. So I think what is amazing is because of the astounding and remarkable developments that have taken place in science, we are being pushed to the threshold of asking questions which we may not have thought were scientific questions initially or were the domain of science. But the domain of science is to understand the universe. What's especially striking about Lawrence Krauss's book is how he's linked his theory about the origins of the universe to the new atheist movement. In fact, Richard Dawkins has written the afterword, claiming that Krauss has demolished the theological arguments in cosmology, just as Charles Darwin did in biology. And I will say, Krauss does not mince words when he talks about religious ideas about creation. I don't write things to attack God because I don't think God's important enough to attack, frankly. I think what is amazing is understanding reality. Then this...